Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. The human emotion of feeling cared for is universal. People want to feel cared for. Part of the reason that I prefer choice architecture and nudging and some of the cold cognition sides of behavioral economics is emotions just feel so squishy to me. If we want our customers to feel cared for, we need to anticipate their needs. What do we need to do? We need to find out what their needs are. We need to put in place a process to anticipate their needs. So back in 2004, Ryan, we were doing some work and we were talking about customer emotions. So even back then, we were talking customer emotions. I always remember I was in Munich in Germany and I was presenting to an insurance company in Germany and I was presenting to the senior team about how they should be evoking emotions in their customers. I have to say it was a tough audience. <laughs> Not to play too much into cultural stereotypes, but not into it. They were not. And one of the guys said to us, I really understand what you're saying. I understand the passion that you're putting behind it. And intellectually, I get it. He said, but tell me, how much money are we going to get back by doing this? Yeah. And I went, I don't know, but it's a really good thing to do. Yeah. Or in essence. And he said, yeah, I hear you, but we need a bit more evidence than that. And to be totally honest, he was 100% right. Yeah, not an unfair question. No, not at all. And we walked out of that meeting and I said to the team, he was totally right and we need to change that. So we kicked off two years worth of research with London Business School to identify which emotions drive and destroy value. And when I say value, I'm talking about which emotions actually make people spend more money, make people give you better net promoter scores, whatever the organization defines as value. And that's what we were going to talk a bit about today. We've had some questions in from people about what they actually are. So we're going to spend today talking about that. Sounds good. You'll need to go to our website, beyondphilosophy.com, but you'll find some stuff on there that talks about these. And what we discovered was from the two years' worth of research with London Business School, the results of all of that came out in my third book, which is called The DNA of Customer Experience, How Emotions Drive Value. And what we discovered was that there are 20 emotions that drive and destroy value for an organization. And those are broken into four clusters of emotions. So I'm just going to read through these very quickly. But there is a destroying cluster. So if you're evoking one of these emotions, you can statistically prove that if you're evoking these emotions, that you're losing value. People will not be spending as much. They won't be as loyal. They'll be giving you lower net promoter scores, etc. So things like irritated, hurried, neglect, unhappy unsatisfied, stressed, disappointment, frustrated. 
if your customers are saying any of those things, if they're acting in a way that is displaying any of those emotions, then you're losing money. It's as simple as that. So what drives value, okay? And it's these emotions. So these are what we call the attention cluster. And those are things like being interested, being energetic, being stimulated, being exploratory, and feeling indulgent, okay? And we call these an attention cluster because if you think about it, marketing's job is to make their product look interesting, to stimulate customers, to checking it out, to explore the offer. And what we know from that research that we did with London Business School was that these drive short-term spend. So in other words, you can get blips of improvement. Am I making sense so far? So the attention cluster is a value add cluster. So this will drive performance, but mostly certain kinds of performance, if I'm understanding correctly. Correct. Yeah. So we put this sort of in a hierarchy. So I love triangles. So down the bottom, you've got... Um, There's one thing we all know about you, Colin. It's a <laughs> deep and abiding love of triangles. I love triangles. So at the bottom, you've got the destroying cluster. Then next level up, you've got the attention cluster. The next level up from that is what we call the recommendation cluster. So the recommendation cluster are emotions in there fit trust, valued, so people feeling valued, cared for, safe, and focused, okay? And this is where the recommendation of, the the way I describe it is a recommendation is like the net promoter score. Would you recommend them? Yes, I would, because I trust them, I feel valued, I feel cared for, those types of things. Okay. And the last cluster is what we call the advocacy cluster. And the statistician that pulled this lot together once we did this research, he actually called these the big daddy. In other words, um, I think that's the statistical term for them. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I love dealing with statisticians. So this is the advocacy cluster. And in here are only two, which is happy and pleased. And these are like the top of the pyramid or the top of the triangle. And for us, the difference with the advocacy cluster, as opposed to the recommendation cluster, is if you're an advocate, you tell somebody about a service. So a recommendation is, hey, Ryan, I'm coming to Atlanta. What restaurants would you recommend? Um, An advocacy cluster would be, hey, Colin, you're coming to Atlanta next week. That's great. You've got to go to this restaurant. So I haven't even asked you about it. I'm telling you about it. So recommendations, more of a passive trigger. Like if somebody asks you, then you'll let them know. But advocacy, you're actually out actively promoting. Correct. So those are the 20 emotions. So where does this get used? Well, for us, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, The good thing is that organizations have started to go, yes, we recognize that there is an emotional experience, but people still tend to talk in generalities in terms of positive emotions and negative emotions. Right. And for us, you've got to be specific. And clearly, 
you've got to be specific about the emotions that so for us again going back to that experience in munich you've got to go back to which emotions drive value so key question to the audience today two key questions what emotions are you trying to evoke in your customers do you know and most organizations don't so you may have an opinion and that's great but go around the organization and ask them what emotions people try to evoke right and most of them don't know the second question is which emotions drive most value for you because clearly you should be trying to evoke an emotion that's driving value for your organization there's no point in trying to evoke an emotion that isn't driving value for your organization and therefore that again becomes critical making sense so far yes so i have a question yeah you identified this hierarchy among these 20 emotions helpfully laid out in triangle form love triangles <laughs> now it's that i'm just thinking of getting you like a shirt with triangles on it for your birthday <laughs> that's the general relationship that this general hierarchy for specific companies specific brands specific situations does that mean that they should always have the same kind of emotional goals or does it vary by situation so for your particular company it's going to be especially important for you to highlight one of these emotions from the attention cluster because that's where you're at now and that's what you need to get or for every company is it always should they always be targeting happy and pleased all the time because that's where the most bang is for the buck you can tell you're a professor mate you know that you just come out with such clever questions i certainly <laughs> hope so that's no and that, genuinely that's a good question really good question it's always better to be in a position where you can ask clever questions than have to give clever answers <laughs> absolutely so the answer for us is that at a top level an organization should be defining what emotions they're trying to evoke and we've done a podcast on branding okay and branding and its relation to customer experience so you should be at a top level be going we are trying to evoke customers feeling valued or customers feeling cared for okay mm -hmm. the issue for me is that it can then become experience specific so let me give you an example of that we were doing some work years ago in england with one of the train franchises mm -hmm. and the two things that they wanted to evoke in their customers was one was comfort and the other was punctuality. And you go, that makes sense for a train company. Now, the interesting thing was for a commuter, punctuality was far more important than comfort. Mm. For a leisure passenger, comfort was far more important than punctuality. Right. Okay. So effectively, the ratio of those emotions may be different depending upon the situation or the customer, etc. What we have found in the 2005 is when we started the research. The book came out in 2007. So for the last 12 years of doing this, what we found is that typically you, even for the largest organization, you can select three or four emotions that you're trying to evoke and that works in different situations across the globe 
because again, different cultures may require different things and different emphasis. And the way I'm, maybe I'll try to make myself a little clearer. If you're trying to make someone feel cared for, how you make someone feel cared for in America may be different. The things that you do to make them feel cared for in America may be different to the way you make someone feel cared for in Japan. Because actually the things that you do to make somebody feel cared for in America could actually offend somebody in Japan if you're not careful. Because of the customer service in one culture could be extremely creepy in another culture. Correct. However, the human emotion of feeling cared for is universal. People want to feel cared for. And what we've found is that even in environments where you think that feeling cared for is not a driver of value. So we did some work in one of the construction equipment manufacturers where you're dealing with roughy-tufty construction people, you wouldn't think that feeling cared for is a key emotion, and actually it is. Interesting. So it's not necessarily what they would articulate as the key thing, but through some emotional signature research that we do, um, you can actually prove that it drives value. Does that make sense? So that was going to be my next question, is how do you get down to these two or three emotions that you want to evoke in your customer? Is it a function of kind of management goals? Is it a function of brand alignment? Is it an empirical exercise of going out and asking your customers? Like, how do you determine which of these clusters you should focus on and which specific emotions? So the answer is yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> as we See, always that was not a clever answer. I felt like I had a clever question. I kind of feel like you just punted. No. So the answer is, where you were going off with your list, I was thinking, yeah, you need to do that. Yeah, you need <laughs> so to do that. Kind yeah, of all of the above. Yeah. So not to be facetious, what you need to do is you need to ask customers through some special research. And when I say special research, if you ask customers what emotions they want to feel, that's not a typical question that people right. can answer. So for those people that have listened to the podcast before, we've talked about this emotional signature research that we do, which is based upon structured equation modeling, which is an advanced form of statistics. But basically, it discovers what's the hidden emotion that's driving value for customers. So that's the first piece of information that you need. The second piece of information you need is you can't just assume that the organization wants to do that and is able to do that. So let's assume that through the emotional signature, you came back and it said that you wanted to create a fun experience, but all the people that you employed were really boring. Yeah. <laughs> the implications of that are that you would need to sack everybody and employ some people that are good at fun. So the point I'm trying to make is there are some practical implications of this, okay? Got it. And the third part of this is that you've, from a cultural perspective, you've got to bring people on board. So the process we would adopt would be you do the research, you give people the numbers. So go back to our guy in Munich, how much will this money we we bring in? You can then say, well, if you evoke trust, it's this much. If you evoke cared for, it's that much. If you evoke that, it's that much. So now you can give them stats. But you then need to involve them in what are the implications of those things. So 
if you were to implement this trust, then what does that mean that you would need to change in your customer experience? So, for instance, a feeling valued. If your customer is phoning through to your call center and you're asking them to wait for half an hour before you answer the call, guess what? That doesn't make your customers feel valued. Right. So, therefore, the implications of choosing customers feeling valued is you need to change the call center. This goes back to, do you remember our branding discussion a couple of podcasts ago of making it practical? There's no point in coming up with these things and then ignoring them effectively. Training your frontline team on how to create memories in your customers by evoking their emotions. Beyond philosophy's unique and proven training methodology, Memory Maker Training. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. So doing the research, discussing the implications with people in the organization and the senior team, and then finally getting the senior team to go, yeah, we're going to choose this, but getting them to realize the implications of that are you need to do this, 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 and this. And they buy into that because clearly the next thing you're going to want to do is design your new experience to evoke those emotions and therefore you're going to need resources and money and all those other things to do it and if you've just done it in isolation you're not going to get the funding it's as simple as that now you and i have talked in the past that uh, kind of research interest perspective i'm much more of a cold cognition guy whereas you have actually worked on more research in emotions more peer-reviewed published research in emotions than i have with this project you're talking about yep and part of the reason that I prefer choice architecture and nudging and some of the cold cognition sides of behavioral economics is emotions just feel so squishy to me. I would imagine that a lot of kind of the hard-nosed business approach to this is that second stage that you're talking about, which is now that we've identified the emotions that we want people to feel like, what are the concrete steps we're going to take? To your example of the equipment manufacturer, if they've discovered they wanted people to feel comforted, presumably more hugging during the sales process is not going to be in line with their brand. Correct. So what are the specific approaches that you take? And I would imagine that that is not a short discussion. Like how do you, no. <laughs> how do you evoke emotions in people? And I would guess that you get kind of a second round of pushback from folks around that, like, well, what do we even do with this, knowing that we want people want to feel cared for? Yeah, you do. It's interesting, actually, because you do and you don't. And what I mean by that is, if I was to say to you now, and you listening to this podcast, think of a time when you have felt cared for. So think of a time that you've felt that someone cares for you, Okay. What did that person do to make them feel cared for? Can you think of anything, Ryan, at the moment? It's been a long time since I've felt human emotion <laughs> of any kind. I think usually it's when someone anticipates my needs. Yeah, so that's a good one. So typically the answer to that would be anticipating my needs. I felt they spent time with me. They listened to me. So now you go, okay, well, effectively, that's the core of feeling cared for. So what does that mean that we would need to do? Okay, 
So we need to pick up your point, anticipate people's needs. Okay, so when we're designing our customer experience, if we want our customers to feel cared for, we need to anticipate their needs. What do we need to do? We need to find out what their needs are. We need to put in place a process to anticipate their needs. If you want to listen to the customers, are we giving them enough time to listen to them? Are we trained the people on listening to them and active listening? So the point I'm trying to make is you actually come back to rational, practical things that you can do to evoke something that's soft and squishy. It's this process of turning the soft, squishy emotions into something hard-nosed and actionable and measurable. Yeah, absolutely. But it comes down to, if I said to you, if you wanted to have a romantic evening with your wife, what would you do? You would have a nice meal prepared and the candles would be there and the soft music and the soft lighting. So you're doing things, rational things, to create that environment. You're designing an experience. All we're talking about here is whether it's B2B or B2C, you're designing an experience to evoke an emotion, okay? And therefore, it's rational. Another key part here, though, is... The exciting part, and again, this goes back to a couple of podcasts ago, that you can then start to measure because the next step, obviously, is going, well, if I know that I'm trying to evoke cared for or valued or trust, whatever it may be, now I need to measure that. That's a whole different podcast. But the exciting part is you can now start to do what we call authentic emotion recognition or authentic emotion measurement, I should say. And that is around facial recognition so actually not asking a customer how they are feeling but being able to see through their micro expressions in their face exactly the emotion that they're feeling and maybe even the hidden emotion that they're feeling that they wouldn't articulate to you when you did or said something that was right or wrong or whatever it may be does that make sense very interesting So let's ask our normal question. What does that mean that we should do? So for me, what it means that you should be looking at is, first thing is you need to identify the specific emotion that you're trying to evoke in your customers that drives value. And we would highly recommend that you look at these 20 emotions that we've gone through today. If you want to go one step further and buy the book, The DNA of Customer Experience, How Emotions Drive Value, It's available in all good bookstores. That was a pretty fundamental piece of work that we did with London Business School. And once you've got that and you've got the evidence that it drives value, then you can set it as a strategy. Now you can design it in your experience. Now you can start to measure it. Now you can start to train people on how to actually evoke those emotions. So for us, that's a practical cascade of how you do that. Any advice from your good self, Brian? You need to have goals as an organization, right? You need to be working towards something. So the idea that you can set an emotional state of your customer as a goal shouldn't be that far out of the realm of what you're doing. My hope is that people would start to look at this as being just a slightly different angle 
on what you're doing already. You know, everybody wants satisfied customers. Everybody wants happy customers. This is the more precise way of getting to the, well, how do we make our customers happy? How do we make them satisfied in a way that'll improve our bottom line? That's what's interesting to me about Good. Okay. Well, thanks very much, everybody, for your time. And Ryan and I will ask you one favor, and that is if you get the opportunity, please review the show, go onto iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. It would really help us if you could just put in a review that would really help. And we look forward to talking to you on next week's show. Thanks very much for joining us. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.